Mamas podcast. We're two modern mamas with the goal to inspire empowerment, self-love, deep physical and spiritual nourishment, holistic health, and joy, no matter your journey, gender, or perspective. I'm Laura of Radical Roots. I'm a certified CrossFit trainer, certified nutrition consultant, and mama to Edie Wilder. And I'm Jess of Hold Space Wellness. I'm a level one CrossFit trainer, a licensed and certified athletic trainer with a master's in kinesiology and mama to Baron Camille. Please note that while we're here to provide advice and insights, we aren't medical practitioners and always recommend that you check with a trusted provider before implementing any changes. Thanks for joining us. We're so happy you're here. Hello, friends. Laura here. Welcome to another episode of the Modern Mamas podcast. I'm very, very excited to introduce our guest this week. We connected actually on Instagram after I saw my friend Kirsten, Vibrant Life Army Wife, who's been a guest on our podcast, shared something from her. And then I got to scrolling and, as you know, realized that, that uh, we were kindred souls, had a lot in common. And so I was very excited to ask her to come on the podcast today. So, Without further ado, I would like to introduce Maris Young. She is a wife and mother who craves authentic connection. She created Young Honest Mother to bear the torch for conversations surrounding all things marriage, motherhood, and modern home economics. In all honesty, which I love. So it's just in all honesty, period, which I, I, every time I read that, it hits home because I, I feel like it really is a testament to what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Unnerved by the unspoken, Marissa offers a welcoming space for people to share what their experiences have been, have really been like, as well as sharing thought-provoking blog posts about meaningful topics. Marissa also launched Young Honest Mother, the podcast to feature heart-to-heart conversations with everyday women who are courageous enough to share their own stories. She also chats with industry truth-tellers far and wide who aren't afraid to tell it like it is. Marissa sets out to inspire and empower others to start honest dialogue in their own communities. I love it. Maris, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. We're so, so thrilled to have you. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's a treat. I'm so glad we were able to connect. And I know we have little ones who are in similar stages of life and we're both beauty counter consultants and that's right. both making the shift from full-time work for someone else to working entirely for ourselves. So, and even like yeah. some of the, the things on your website that you talk about, about communal living and Rusty and I have done that and kind of just downsizing to pursue passion. I just, the more I explored into what you were doing, the more I realized how much we had in common. So I was just very called to, to ask you to come on. So thanks again. So happy to be here. What a treat. Okay, so today we're going to talk about a lot, <laughs> but kind of <laughs> under the, the pillars of your website and your content, which is marriage, motherhood, and modern home economics. But before we dive into all the things, all the real talk, I'd like to start with more of an icebreaker question. So what are you currently reading? I, I'm asking this selfishly, as I mentioned before, because I'm looking for a new read. So what's your favorite? Okay, so I'm someone who... He likes to read a lot of books at once, but I'll just share one. The one that I've been going back to over and over again is called The Art of Gathering. Um, And the subtitle is How We Meet and Why It Matters, and it's by Priya Parker. And it's been so informative. I, I think I'm only about like 30 or 40 pages in because every time I start reading it again, I want to go and grab a notebook to take notes because this author has done a lot of professional work in facilitating meetings and gatherings with people. And so she's really breaking it down as to what goes into having a meaningful gathering and, and how every one of us can go into meeting with other people with such intention. So that is probably the favorite book that I'm reading right now. Well, that's almost eerie in that we just launched the registration for the Modern Mamas Retreat this morning. Yes, I saw that. So then to hear that book, I'm like, okay, I'm adding that to the top of my list because that's what we want from this uh, event is to just have a very, very meaningful gathering without overdoing it or, you know what I mean? So I think that's a a fitting recommendation. Thank you. You're welcome. Do you have any plans for the Young Honest Honest Mother moving forward to do any sort of in-person gatherings or events? Yes, I would. So everything is still kind of new. I just launched the podcast a couple of weeks ago, but there's something about in-person connection. I'm sure you're aware because you've done a couple of meetups before with your podcast and also as a beauty counter consultant, but in-person conversation and like the bond that's forged from being right next to someone and experiencing something similar together. Mm -hmm. So I would like to have 
some in-person young honest mother meetups, but everything is still in the works. Yes. One day at a time. It's so I'm, I'm the kind of person that's like, I have these like dreams. This is what I want to do. I want to get there now. But then I'm realizing that the getting there is just as important and just as meaningful and fun as the actual end goal. So yes, <laughs> you know, we've had ideas about meetups and we've done a lot of informal things and now to have finally something come into fruition. And we've been doing the podcast for well over two years. So it's a good reminder. Wow. So thank you for that a reminder to me to also pump the brakes and appreciate how we got here. And, and each right. step. it still feels new sometimes. And then other days it feels like we've been doing it forever. So I'm just excited to see how your work unfolds and the podcast grows and your community grows as well. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Well, we kind of jumped ahead. I want to take a few steps back now and just get to know you a little bit better. Can you give us a little bit uh, an intro to your world in your own words? Who are you? And tell us, just tell us a little bit about your story. Sure. So I have a two-year-old and the story of Young Honest Mother really starts with giving birth to my son, Milo, two years ago. I was working full-time, and I had a job that I really loved in a, an industry that I really loved. And when I found out I was pregnant, I honestly had no like no plans to change anything about what I was doing. I just thought that I would go back to work and keep doing what I was doing, and I would just have a little baby. And to be honest, it wasn't until like four weeks into my six-week maternity leave that my husband and I realized we didn't make any plans for who was going to be watching our son. It just like, it had never occurred to us somehow. And even though we were talking with friends and family about our plans for me to go back to work, none of them caught that we were missing a crucial element to how that was all going to work. And so we really scrambled those last couple of weeks of my maternity leave to get some childcare together. We ended up having a friend who had worked as a nanny before. And so she was, it was very serendipitous. She had been working another job and that kind of came to an end abruptly. And she was amazingly able to start watching Milo right when we needed her. And I went back to work and it was just, I'm trying to find the words because even thinking about it now, like makes me emotional. It was just I had no idea what to expect and I wanted to go back to work because I really loved what I was doing, like I said, but once I got there, chose to breastfeed my son. So I was now having to pump multiple times a day and figure that all out. But in addition to, you know, pumping and, you know, of course being very thankful for having the opportunity to even pump throughout the day, but it's like, okay, that takes away time from my actual work. So then now I'm kind of behind on what I need to do for, my boss. And then not only that, like this, the emotional and mental aspect of no longer being with my son, who at the time was just six weeks old. And it was a shift, you know, up until that point, I thought I was just going to go back to work, no problem. And I would sit at my desk and we had a Nest camera at home so that we could keep an eye on things while the nanny was there with Milo. And I found myself constantly looking in, like, what are they doing? What is he up to? You know, oh, he's just sleeping because, you know, newborn babies at that age don't really do that much. But I felt that I was missing out on something and I couldn't explain where that feeling had come from and, and why it had popped up all of a sudden, other than I just had a baby. And so I worked for a couple more months after that and really tried to make it work. But Ultimately, my heart was just calling me to to step back and tend to my son for the first couple months of his life. And I didn't really have any plans as to how long I would stay at home with him, but I just knew that everything I was doing at my office job just felt so trivial in comparison to the little boy I was leaving at home every day. And that is also when Young Honest Mother, the inklings for that project at the time. It was, I kind of just started it as a personal blog because I was experiencing so much as a working mom and I didn't have any friends who were moms. I was uh, like the first in my friend group to get married and to have a child. And so I didn't really know who to talk to other than my mom who hadn't had young kids for like over 20 years, you know, and it was really lonely. So I just, I started writing about what I was going through 
and sharing my writings on social media. I started my Instagram account at around that same time and just started getting a lot of feedback from other women who were feeling similarly. I mean, of course, we all have unique lives and and unique experiences, but there's something about just the fabric of womanhood and humanity that brings us together and really connects us in ways that are similar. So I started hearing from people that, wow, I didn't know that someone else is feeling this way or yeah, why, why is it that other people aren't talking about what it's really like to be a mom? And that really catalyzed me to, to do more and to, to have the conversations that I desperately wanted to be having with people in my community, but I just, I didn't know where to find that community. Man, that's so powerful. There's no, in my, from my experience, (laughs) there's no more kind of like life-changing transition than that into motherhood. And what I think is super powerful Mm -hmm. about what you shared is that you were going through this and you were feeling loneliness and you were feeling the void and what was lacking and how empowering to then decide, okay, well, I'm going to create it. And then to, mm. to not only find that for yourself, but then to also find it and create it and create the space for other women going through the same thing. I just think I, that, that gives me right. response because I love how you talked about the fabric of womanhood. Um, I was like writing down that quote because it's mm. really good um, because that, what a powerful thing. We are all, we are in this together and um, I love that you're creating something and having the conversations that need to be had so desperately, but that people are, whether it's fear or I don't know what it is, but too vulnerable, which kind of still stems back to fear. If there's a fear keeping us from talking about the things that we all want to talk about, I think realizing that we're all in it together and we're all feeling a lot of those same fears is really empowering. Mm -hmm. I so totally agree. So have you had, since, since the inception of this, have you had a lot of women come out of the woodworks and say, you know, I, I, I thank you because I know that's how I feel (laughs) having the conversations that we so desperately want to be having just breaking the ice there, I think is really important. And that's, we've been getting a lot of feedback on that lately too, about just the gratitude for saying things that a lot of women are thinking, but don't necessarily say aloud. Yes. Yes. So I have been hearing from a lot of women and men, honestly, who are just like, wow, this needs to be said. I'm glad that I heard it because, you know, even as partners, so for example, my husband, as we became parents for the first time, he hadn't done this before himself, you know? So we were both kind of entering this alternate reality, if you will, this parallel universe of parenthood without knowing what to expect. And that's something that I bring up a lot because I'm someone who, um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Gretchen Rubin's Four Tendencies, but I am an upholder. So I really like to have expectations. I like to know what's in front of me and motherhood was so foreign for both of us. And so in creating a space that really welcomes honest conversations around all things marriage, motherhood, and modern home economics, I'm hearing from men and women alike that it is something of value to them. And I think you brought up a good point about how Oftentimes we do want to have conversations about things that really matter, but there's fear that's lurking in the midst. And I I even find that, you know, where there's fear, there's, there tends to be shame and judgment and people really shy away from sharing that much of themselves because they don't want to be shamed or judged or called out for any reason or another. But I just had a conversation last night with someone who had been a little timid about sharing where she's been because she told me that no one had ever taken her story seriously before. Mm. And that really is at the crux of what I want to do. I want to provide a place where people can feel heard and know that their stories are taken seriously. And also on a more positive note, I want to provide a place where people can share what they've learned and embrace one another in solidarity because we are often going through things that are very similar to someone else. That's such a good point. And just kind of offering that hope in a way of like knowing someone else has been through it, even just a month ahead of you. And they're kind of on the other side, whether it's teething or something 
far harder, you know, it's, 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 yes. But then also feeling the validation and whatever feels hard, it's, it, it feels hard and you don't have to compare it to other people's hard because it's all relative. It's exactly. also very powerful. <laughs> awesome. That's so cool. And I love that you've kind of broken into those three categories as well, because the marriage piece is something that I think I don't see spoken about often, whether it's, again, it's a fear thing and this expectation of every marriage is perfect and we're all good, especially through, you know, the transition into parenthood, it's all like rainbows and that's not necessarily always the case, especially if you haven't had a lot of conversations beforehand, because like you said, it's, it's, everything is thrown for a loop once that baby gets here. And, and it's so important to be a little bit set, maybe not set or rigid, but at least have had conversations about, okay, how do we want a parent? What is our marriage going to look like after this little Mm -hmm. one is here? And so having those conversations is just so, so important. So I'm grateful that you're talking about that. And I guess, I mean, I have a list of questions here, but I kind of just want to roll with it as we go on the topic of marriage. Do you have one or two marriage tips that you've put out so far that you'd like to share with our listeners in terms of keeping the partnership strong through that transition to parenthood? Yes. So so far, I've launched a couple of episodes. One has been a solo episode and the others have been conversations with other women. And so I'm going to share a couple of their tips and also, I guess, share a little bit about why they have affected me personally. But in an episode, someone shared about how important it is to communicate. And it's somewhat a cliche, but you brought up a good point. Like even Even if you're not having these conversations before the baby arrives, if there's going to be a baby that arrives, just being open to communicating about things as you go is so important. And another tip that I have and something that I've seen be very uh, beneficial in my own marriage is being open to adapt because sometimes you communicate about things that you think you're going to do or you think sound like a good idea and then you try them out and in practice it just isn't a right fit for you, for your family, for your child, or, you know, for whatever reason, you might not even know why, but I think just being open to switch things up, which personally is very difficult for me. I'm, I'm someone who likes, like I said, expectations. I like routine. And I was really wanting to have like a set way to approach motherhood, but it's, it's really not like that. And it's not like that in marriage either. So I think being open to communicate as you go and to adapt as you go are two of my biggest tips for helping to cultivate a marriage that is supportive for both people. I love that. And are you willing to share maybe one or two of those instances where you had to kind of be willing to to shift and change? Yeah. Okay. Let me think. <laughs> I'm sure there's plenty. Um, that's, that's marriage. Yeah, so <laughs> the one that comes to mind right now is actually related to how I even got into doing Young Honest Mother and creating the space. So like I mentioned, I was working full time and then I stopped to stay at home with Milo and I've been at home with him for almost two years. And my mom was a stay at home mom growing up. And so she was like the consummate, idyllic, wonderful stay at home mom who did crafts with us, who made dinner every single day. And I'm one of four kids, so she had her hands full, but she was doing it all and rocking it, you know? And so I had this idea that if I was going to be a stay-at-home mom, I needed to be a stay-at-home mom like my mom. And that was really difficult for me to walk through because I'm not my mom. And as much as I admire and love what she did for me and for my siblings, I'm someone who likes to have multiple projects that I work on. So like you mentioned, I'm a beauty counter consultant. I also run Young Honest Mother, the website and blog, and then I just launched a podcast. And so I started having all of these ambitions that were popping up right after I started staying at home. And I felt like I, like they didn't have a place in my life anymore, you know, because if I was going to be a stay at home mom, I needed to just focus on my, um, I, I needed to just focus on my son. And if I were to start taking on other projects, then would I even be a stay-at-home mom anymore? And didn't I leave my full-time jobs that I could focus on my child? So I had all of these things kind of going through my head and I would share them with my husband. And he's always been very 
extremely supportive of my ideas and my ambitions. And he encouraged me to become a beauty counter consultant actually, and encouraged me to start younghonestmother.com. But even then I just felt like I couldn't do both. And so for a long time, I was ignoring the desire that I had to do more outside of stay-at-home motherhood. And it was causing a lot of internal conflict, as you might imagine, and a lot of just like conflict in my marriage because I was extremely unhappy. I was not happy just focusing on raising Milo. And I felt like anytime he would go to sleep or whatever, I was like ravenous for extra time to, to work on these projects. And then I would feel guilty. So it was this like self-defeating cycle that I was in. And it really all stemmed from the fact that I had told myself when I started staying at home with him that, you know, this is who I am now. I'm a stay at home mom. And the example that I had of that was of my mom, who was someone who didn't have other projects going on outside of raising four kids. And so I eventually had to communicate those frustrations that I had within myself to my husband. And, and also we had to adapt our life plan. You know, I stay at home right now with Milo on three days a week. And then just a couple months ago, we enrolled him into a Montessori program because I realized that in denying my ambitions, I was denying a part of myself and I didn't feel like I could be the best mother to my son and the best wife to my husband as someone who wasn't honoring all of me. And so in putting Milo into a Montessori program two days a week, he's able to make friends and, and, you know, learn from someone other than me and, you know, grow more comfortable with being away from me while I'm able to focus on the other projects that light me up. And so that's just one of many ways that I've had to communicate and then adapt my, my vision for how I thought my life might go. That's so cool. Uh, what a story. It's, it's amazing. And I bet you there's so many women out there who can relate. And it also brings my mind back to another episode we did with Katie Collins, just on how women aren't really supported in this country to feel okay yeah. doing both, like working and pursuing yes. their passions, and then also parenting because we're just not supported as a whole. And so we get put in these kind of identity boxes where we're one or the other, or how the conflict of, and the guilt that can come with having to quote unquote choose. It's just, it's so hard. And so, yes. I know you're not alone in that. <laughs> and I love that you're able to share your story. And I, so how, how long do you say he's been in the Montessori school? He started, I guess about two months ago. So it's two been months. about two months. Okay. So you're, you're kind mm -hmm. of still in that transition. And I'm curious, even two months later though, I'm, I imagine you're able to, to reflect back a bit more on that shift. And how are you feeling now about the decision and the balance? Have you been able to find, I mean, I feel like that word in and of itself is kind of a hoax, but are you able to find some <laughs> semblance of balance throughout your weeks? Are you feeling like it was the right choice for you guys? I am feeling like it was the right choice for us. And I also want to say, I'm feeling like it's the right choice for us right now, because one thing that I'm constantly being reminded of in motherhood is that everything changes. So, you know, this might not be the right choice for us in six months or in a year, but, you know, we're really taking it a month at a time, a day at a time, even in constantly evaluating, is this working for Milo? Is this working for mama? Is this working for Dada? You know, and right now it is allowing me to prioritize my business and my goals and my ambitions on the days that Milo is at his Montessori program. And then on the days where he's with me full time, I'm less stressed out about all of the things I wish I could be doing because I've gotten that time already. And so I can be more present in my mothering because I know that that time is going to come again later this week. So cool. So powerful because that's kind of a stage that I'm in as well and have been sharing a little bit, mm -hmm. but I don't, envy is not the right word, but I think inspire. <laughs> You've inspired me in more ways to compartmentalize because I found in my own life that it's, I am so much better at each when I can separate them a little bit more and work when I have yeah. designated, designated work time. It's been harder traveling in the van, but that is something I look forward to. And Rusty and I talk about it a lot when the day does come where we have more of a, a set home base, at least. That's one thing that mm -hmm. I want to save for and invest in because I think it's an investment in not only 
my career, also Rusty's, and then in our relationship as well, because they all come right. come as one, really. So that's awesome. Can you tell me more about Montessori? I don't. I, I know some of our listeners might have experience. I believe Jess's kids are in a Montessori school. It's something I've always wanted to learn about. So what was it that made you choose that for Milo? Well, about a year ago, I was noticing a lot of strange to me things about Milo. Like he was really wanting to overexert himself. Like I would find him trying to pick up a full trash can or carries an object that was like twice or three times his size up the stairs. And I kept asking myself, like, why is he doing this? Like he, it's very clear to me that this is too big for him or it's too much for him to handle. And so I started looking into it because also at that time he was becoming more proficient at walking and like climbing the stairs and everything. And he was just getting into a lot more than he had ever gotten into before. And I didn't really know how to approach this new stage. And so I guess I had ordered a Montessori style book a while ago, but I just, I didn't have the time or like the bandwidth to, to get to that. Cause we had moved in with my parents shortly before that. And there was just so much else going on. And so when I started noticing him carrying all of these things, I cracked open that book and lo and behold, I found a passage about specifically like age 16, 15 to 17 months, which is about the age he was at that time and how toddlers often at that stage want to overexert themselves and they want to, to really test their bodies and, and see how much they can take on. And that was really striking to me because I was experiencing that in my own life and to hear someone else write about it as like, yeah, this is, you know, sometimes people see this as a stage within their toddlers and they gave some helpful tips and and activities that I could introduce to Milo at that age because he was so, I could tell that he had so much curiosity and really wanted to interact with the world in a more hands-on way, but I had never been a mom before, so I didn't really know what to do to help stimulate him in that way. And so Montessori is really about incorporating a lot of life, like daily real life practices and using those as ways to help your child learn about the world. And so also around that time, he wanted to start doing everything I was doing. And I was reading in the book how at this age, like it's good to start introducing household chores. And he was already wanting to water the plants and do the laundry with me. And so it was just providing a lot of validation for what I was already seeing in my son. And then in addition to that, it provided a lot of encouragement to keep incorporating and inviting my son into these tasks that I was doing every day. Because before that, I was kind of looking at his help in air quotes as more of a nuisance as and as something that was slowing me down. But as I started reading more about the Montessori approach to really encouraging your child to help you with these tasks and showing them how you would like it to be done and and letting them to feel and experience with all of their senses all of these activities that I just, you know, kind of want to rush through like, Oh, I'm sweeping the floor. Let me just get that done really quick. Or, Oh, let me wash these dishes and, you know, be done with it. But it really helped me as a parent to look at what I do in a different way and see as I was teaching him, I'm like, Oh wow. Okay. It's actually not that easy to do what I'm doing. And so I'm thankful that I'm taking the time to teach him at such a young age so that he'll be able to do these things more proficiently as he gets older. And it also just gave me a more I guess, appreciation of taking care of the home and and all of that entails. And it set me up to be more of a guide as a mother instead of, you know, like necessarily explicitly trying to sit him down and like, okay, so today we're going to learn this. It's just, no, everything that we do, everything that's already a part of our day is an opportunity for him to learn. And that is how I started getting into Montessori. And so I knew since I was already aware of their principles in Montessori schools. And I was already incorporating some of the activities and things like that into our daily life. Because again, the Montessori activities are pretty much just like daily life activities. I knew that I wanted to seek out a Montessori program when I finally allowed myself to 
admit that I wanted to pursue ambitions in addition to being a mother. I love it. And how, how good that must feel to have done that research and know that you chose the right school specific to your unique son. I think that's probably would make mm. the transition that, that much more smooth to know that uh, he was in such good hands. And then also to have such a good read on him. So you could see after a day or two, you know, how is he responding? And does that seem to be right. pretty, pretty positive, the, his, his experience thus far? It has. He, in the beginning, you know, it was a little bit more difficult because he was away from me. Like he's gone for about six hours when he goes there. But now when I pick him up, he, he doesn't want to leave or he'll <laughs> tell me, can we go back mama? I'm like, well, yes, we'll go back, but not today. Today it's time for us to leave. So he, I'm already seeing like the improvement in his speech and like how much more vocabulary he has because he's around people who speak differently mm-hmm. and who, you know, they're just in a different context. So different words come up than they, than what would come up at home. So I'm, definitely seeing the benefits of him being there. So awesome. Well, I'm taking notes because who knows, maybe that's what we'll end up doing in time. I do. I feel like this transition into two for Evie as well. It's like, I could see her thriving with that. We're just not in a situation Mm -hmm. to do it yet, but I'm for the first time, my heart feels open to like a couple days a week of having her go somewhere else and having full undivided attention to work and also to Rusty. And it's just, it's an interesting time to have, have felt the shift because I can't imagine at six weeks having done that. And then at four months, I went back to work, but it was still remote. And it's amazing how Mm -hmm. in time, and every mom comes into that in their own time, in her own time, that feeling, okay, I feel ready to whatever that looks like for their unique family. So I feel, again, very connected and kind of, I feel like our trajectories are moving similarly. And also in that you've, to kind of transition in a way, downsized, minimalized, in that you've mm-hmm. gone into communal living with your parents or your in-laws? I don't remember. Can you tell us a little bit about yeah. that decision to move in there, downsize, and make that shift? Yeah. So the seeds for that decision were really planted back when I left my job. I guess it's been almost two years now. And first of all, staying at home with Milo presented territory that I had never explored before and that I I had no way of knowing I guess what it would be like and it was very lonely. I mentioned before that I didn't have any friends who were already mothers. So I guess I thought when I started staying at home I would you know be able to take him to all these activities and hang out with other moms and things like that. But I was kind of in for a rude awakening once I actually made that switch. I realized I was going to have to be very proactive in going out to make new friends because I didn't already have friends who had kids. And, you know, it also, my son at that time was not really taking naps. And so it was a lot of us being at home, just us two with him crying a lot, not sleeping much at all throughout the day and me being really frazzled and just not like not able to get even basic things done around the house. You know, I would be so surprised that eight hours would pass by and I still had not been able to fold the laundry because I was holding Milo all day or whatever it was, you know? And so it started out, you know, with just realizing, okay, this is, this is a lot more difficult than I thought it was going to be. And then also as I started working with beauty counter and then started young and my husband was working full time to support the family as I stepped back from my full time job. We realized how much we valued our time together because he was always at work. I was always at home with Milo, but we had very few hours, all three of us, to spend together because he was either at work or commuting from work. And we really had to sit down, and this goes back again to that communicate and adapt. I guess, paradigm that I brought up, but we had to sit down and communicate what our values were because they had kind of shifted. You know, before it didn't feel like such a big deal before Milo was there for us to be working 40 plus hours a week at our separate jobs and come back home, like, because we had the whole evening and the weekends to ourselves, but it just, it didn't feel like it fit our life anymore. And then we also had new dreams and goals that were starting to pop into the landscape. And my husband, too, is, in addition to being an electrical engineer, 
who works full-time supporting the family doing that. He's also a musician and really has dreams of pursuing music full-time one day. And we had to really get clear about what we wanted our life to look like. And we had to separate that from the social conditioning, I guess, of how our life was currently set up. And we realized that we kind of walked into what was a two income family living in a house, you know, barely seeing each other because that's kind of what society was doing and what what was being pushed upon us. And that's not necessarily the path that we would have chosen had we been more awake and aware to what was about to happen. So once we took the time to press pause and communicate our values to one another, we realized that we needed to adapt our our living situation because if we did want to pursue a path of time together, we knew that me having more support at home and more support to build the businesses that I was starting to cultivate at that time, those two things were going to be crucial to us shifting our lifestyle. And so my parents had moved to the area a couple years before Milo was born. And at first I was really offended. I was like, I moved out here. I moved away. I moved out of state to go to college. And I ended up meeting my husband at that college and we settled down nearby and they moved from a different state near to where we were living. And I felt like I was losing my independence and they were just going to be meddling and everything, which if I think about it rationally is they've shown no evidence that they would have done that. But, you know, I was just feeling like I had just found my self, you know, my identity as Maris singular and here they come and how is this going to affect me? So I feel like there's something um, biological in that. Like we, whether our parents have shown us any are given us any reason to believe they're going to meddle and not give us space. It's like, we feel that. And I think that's probably biological, just us trying to get away. (laughs) Yeah. And so when we were having all of these discussions, once Milo was born and and realizing that we wanted to, to really shift our lifestyle, I quickly realized how amazing it was that they did move nearby. And my dad is such a family man. He had already mentioned to us like, before Milo was even born, you know, we just built this big house. We have all these extra rooms. If you want to move in, you know, you're always welcome. So it was always kind of out there, but we had never taken it seriously until that moment because we realized how moving in with them would help us to accomplish all of the things that we were trying to accomplish. And we reached out to them. My parents immediately were like, yes, come on, like, let's, let's do this, move in. And we had to then go about selling most of our stuff because we went from living in a like four bedroom, two bathroom house to living in a Jack and Jill bedroom at my parents where we're currently at right now. And that meant being very intentional about everything we were going to bring to this new life, so to speak. I mean, we had to donate and sell almost everything we had and not because we were being forced to move in, but because we realized that this was going to be a way for us to pursue our ultimate goal of having more family time. And that for us, we want it to look like to start me having businesses that are going to be able to sustain our family financially so that we can bring my husband more into the family picture, if that makes sense. And it was tough. I mean, we had a lot of things that we had held on to over the years, but it also was really freeing. We were able to kind of cleanse our ourselves, you know, because we were stuff that we we knew that what we were bringing into this new life was going to be were were going to be things that were specifically chosen and intended for this new path that we were on. So, you know, it's it's had its own challenges because of course in living with someone else we're now not the authority of our our space so we're having to learn how to communicate with other adults which even though I lived with my parents growing up I was a child you know so I was kind of doing what they had set out for us and 
now we're having more open and honest discussions with one another and we're able to bring things to the table, like both parties and, and talk about how we see things, you know, how we'd like things to go from here on out. So that's been, it's been such a journey, like emotionally as well to see my parents in a different light because now I can relate to them as parents. Whereas before I, I just kind of felt that they were, I just saw them as people who had raised me and had done a good job, but I just, I didn't have that, that empathy. Now I look at my mom and I tell her often like, whoa, I did not know that this is what you were going through. And wow, like you were so strong to have gone through that with four kids living away from your family. And we're able to connect on such a deeper level because we are seeing a, a life that they had experienced before. So it's been it's been a good shift, I think, a really good shift. That's so cool. And just like wanting to get away and wanting to have space is biological. I also think wanting <laughs> to kind of reconvene and reconnect after having kids is pretty biological because, you know, our ancestors didn't do this alone. We, they didn't have two, right, right. two working 40-hour week working parents and and a baby. That's not how that's right. not how it's designed to work. And people make it work. And I've, I'm so inspired by that. And I it's like I'm so impressed. But it's also it's hard. No matter what you do, it's hard. It's it's hard moving back in with your parents. Mm-hmm. I've done it a couple times. It's hard not and not having that help on a regular basis. So what right. would you say is was one of the hardest? Has been one of the hardest parts of this communal living setup for you guys thus far. Hmm, that's a good question. I think. It kind of stems back to identity, honestly, and trying to figure out who I am as someone who is an adult, but still living with parents and someone who is a stay-at-home mom sometimes, but who is also like pursuing other business goals. It's been, it's been just mentally challenging, I think, and, and trying to figure out how I fit in now as an adult living with my parents and you know the dynamics are similar because we know each other so well and we have a lot of history together of course but i'm also not that same little girl but i also still don't really understand who i am now so it's it's been just a work in progress and i've had to be very honest about what i'm feeling and i've had to ask for help in many different occasions when i tend to be someone who holds things in and tries to do everything by myself, I've really had to undo a lot of the negative self-talk that I've found was going on throughout my head and be open to being vulnerable and, and sharing what I'm really going through. Man, that's powerful. It's like moving back in is super challenging, but also a little bit cathartic, kind of forcing some, yeah. some introspection that gosh, is important with motherhood in general. I love that. I love that you're able to take that perspective too and see it's because I, I asked what the hardest part was, but I feel like as you kind of process that and said all that aloud, by the end of it, mm-hmm. it was still in a positive light. Like still like it's hard to go back and think about these things and feel these things and let these things come to surface, but how powerful too. Hey friends, Laura and I are so excited to share that we've partnered with Beekeepers Naturals to bring you the latest buzz around some incredible plant-based and healing hive products that we've both absolutely fallen in love with. This company is not only creating hive-based products to solve modern health challenges naturally, but they're doing so with a huge goal to save the bees, which I absolutely adore. You guys know that I'm obsessed with coffee. You also know that I'm always on the lookout for ways to try and cut back. I swear the caffeine-free bee elixir brain fuel works better than any cup of coffee I've ever had at making me feel focused, energized, and actually a lot more even. I also recently took their propolis spray with me during airplane travels and used it as an immune support over the course of my trip. I came back with zero sniffles. The tickle in my throat was totally gone. It is amazing, and I swear by it for immune support. I really also... I'm just kind of low-key obsessed with the Bee Chill Hemp Honey Sticks. They have been incredible for my anxiety. After doing all the things during the day, a honey stick paired with a good meditation makes me feel the chillest. We love this company and their products so much that we've partnered with them to bring you a special discount just for Modern Mamas listeners. Get 15% off your order by visiting beekeepersnaturals.com forward slash Modern Mamas and use the code Modern Mamas at checkout. It's that simple. Hi friends, Laura here with some exciting news. 
Four Sigmatic has come on as a Modern Mamas podcast sponsor. We are so excited. If you've been following along with my Instagram stories, especially, you've seen that I use this stuff every single morning. The Lion's Mane Elixir is my absolute favorite. I add it to my boosted coffee for an extra boost of brain clarity, productivity, and focus that I genuinely did not experience until I started adding this in every day. They also make other elixirs like Rishi for calming, Cordyceps for an energy boost, and Chaga for an immune boost. Along with those elixirs, they also have really cool blends. I love the Lion's Mane and Coffee blend when I travel because I don't have to worry about getting my hands and lips on high quality coffee. I have it ready to go. All you need is hot water, you mix in the blend and you're set. They have caffeine free options as well, like a chai latte and a turmeric latte for gut health and skin glow and all, they have all kinds of incredible blends. I cannot recommend enough that you go check out their website Find whatever mushroom blend is going to fit with your lifestyle and give it a try. The awesome folks at Four Sigmatic have offered our listeners, you guys are special, you get 15% off any order. If you go to foursigmatic.com forward slash modern mamas or simply type in modern mamas, all lowercase, all one word at checkout, you get 15% off. Check it out, see what fits your life, and happy shrooming. So what's been the most rewarding? I imagine what you just shared is though the most challenging, probably also part of the most rewarding, but anything else you can think of that's been really, really positive with this experience? It's been really rewarding. And I kind of touched on this earlier. It's been really rewarding to connect with my parents in a deeper, more meaningful way, because now I'm a parent. And we just had a conversation a couple days ago where my mom, who she's still a stay-at-home mom. So she's here at the house every day, which is very, very helpful, especially because right now Milo is experiencing a lot of big emotions and expressing himself in many loud ways, we'll just say. And so my mom had been sitting in the living room and she was nearby as my husband was kind of walking Milo through an upset. And She then came to find my husband who was sitting in another room with me and she didn't know I was in there. And so she poked her head in and she told me later that she was just hoping to talk to Carl, but then saw me and she saw that I saw her. So she didn't want to turn around and like pretend that she wasn't trying to talk to him. And so she came in and just sat down. Well, first, actually, she gave him a hug and said, I just wanted to say that I'm so proud of you. And that I really appreciate other that you're being with your son. And that was so, it like blew me away. And it ended up turning into a conversation. Eventually my dad wandered in because he was like, where is everybody? (laughs) And he sat down and we all just talked about how powerful it is to be in this moment together and to be able to have, for my husband and I to be able to have mentors in parenting who are my parents and they tell us often that you know they're not here to to meddle they're not here to like intervene in our parenting or anything and they often like sit by the wayside unless we ask for them to step in or you know they've also said they would step in if something like an emergency was happening but that has not been the case and for them to bring us together and praise my husband and praise like how, how we're going about it and also acknowledge that what we're going through right now is really difficult. And in terms of parenting, like age two is no joke. So that's been really rewarding to have that connection with my parents and to, to be able to come together and kind of like mastermind, like, okay, so yeah, this is what we're going through. How did you guys handle it? And any advice for us? And, you know, because we're living with them, they're right there. And so we have access to that way more than we would have if we were living by ourselves. That's so cool. I have goosebumps because, you know, we've been at my parents too with Edie (laughs) and I can relate in so many ways. And I love that you kind of have that perspective of being able to see your parents in a different light a little bit, but also having known where, like what they were like when you were younger. And, and I, in browsing your site, I saw your posts on redefining or redefining reparenting and reparenting my inner two-year-old so like going back to you know your own 
childhood and, and being able to reflect and, and all that. So this is kind of a nice segue into like moving from the communal living, being right there with your parents and then moving into the motherhood piece here, which I really want to make sure we dive into mm-hmm. a bit before we round off the hour. Can you touch on that post a little bit? Cause it's very powerful and aligns a lot with other, you know, topics we've discussed on this podcast. So what does it mean to reparent and why your inner two-year-old? Mm, okay. So I became aware of the term reparenting through the holistic psychologist over on Instagram. She shares a lot of great posts about healing yourself and and walking through whatever it is that you're walking through in a way that brings awareness and intention to it. So reparenting from what I've learned, it is the process of tending to your inner child at whatever age and and walking that inner child through healing in whatever way that might look like. And so currently my son is two and I wrote that post reparenting my inner two-year-old because I feel like in, in being here to parent my two-year-old, I'm really having to grapple with a lot of things that I didn't process when I myself was two. And it's strange because it's not that I have a memory, like an explicit memory of anything really when I was two, but I can feel how triggered I am by my son's two-ness. And for me, that's looked like wanting to have a lot of expressive and explosive sometimes reactions to my surroundings. And, you know, I have to be very intentional because it's not even necessarily that something is that upsetting. It's just like, I feel a shift in my mind where I'm just like, okay, now everything that I, like every little insult or frustration that I've been bottling up now for the last who knows how long has come to the surface and it's really difficult to rein it back in. And I can really empathize with Milo, my son, because I'm sure he feels similarly because a lot of his upsets are so irrational. (laughs) It's like he recently became upset when he told me he wanted a piece of toast. I gave him a piece of toast and he said, I don't want a piece of toast. And he just really became upset and emotional. And so it's not that it even makes sense. It's just like, it's the catalyst to release a lot of pent up emotion and from what I am experiencing now, I, I really feel that when I was two and when I was much younger, that was really conditioned out of me for multiple reasons. One, it's just like not socially acceptable to be on the floor screaming. And so, you know, eventually over time, you grow to realize that that's not the way to behave. But also, I didn't learn a healthy way to express my emotions. And all, all of this time, like for years... I've just been bottling things up. And now, now as I see my son interact with the world and bottle things up and then explode once they've reached the tipping point, I see that happening in myself almost concurrently. So I'm having to reparent myself in a way of finding healthy ways to express my emotions. And so sometimes that looks like journaling or listening to a podcast or sometimes honestly I'll just go outside and stomp my feet in the ground yes. and like I look like a two-year-old you know but there's something about like pushing energy through my feet and into the ground that is so satisfying and so like physical that it helps me to relieve everything that I'm feeling and recenter myself. So it's been a process. And honestly, I struggle with it every day because it, it, there's just always something right now where I see my son interacting with the world. And I realize that I have things that I haven't been able to express or been allowed to express over the years that are for whatever reason starting to come out now. So I have to be really diligent in making sure that I'm allowing myself to express those things in a healthy way. That's amazing. It's another example of how one of the hardest parts of parenthood is also potentially one of the most rewarding and have allowing you and giving you the space to 
to like process that stuff and feel it. It's really, really cool. Right. Um, and I love that you're allowing yourself and, and holding that space for yourself. And it's probably pretty tough to be holding it for yourself and for him at the same time, but also maybe yes. extra powerful. Cause you're like, I'm in it right there with you, buddy. <laughs> that's true. That's true. There's solidarity. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. Totally. That's incredible. And I know you just recently shared that you guys, um, you just re- weaned Milo. Is that correct? I did. And I yep. wanted to touch on it's that been... before we, cause that's a, that's a big deal. And I think once again, a conversation that isn't had enough, how hard and tough that can be for some moms. And so I'm curious to know what your experience is like. Yeah. I'm actually about to launch an episode very soon about that because I agree it's, it's a part of the breastfeeding experience that I didn't know much about, but it's, it's a part of the cycle. You know, the end is as much as a part of the cycle as the beginning. And so I made the decision to wean and I coincided it with a trip that my husband and I were going to be taking out of town to celebrate our wedding anniversary. And he was already going to be not nursing during those two days that we were away. So I just felt like that's going to be a good time to just extend that, you know, and I'm not going to give everything all away because I am going to go more in depth into this in my own podcast, but I did have to have a lot of conversations with Milo. And I think people oftentimes underestimate how much a two-year-old can understand, but there usually is a way to phrase and to share things with a little one that puts into language that they can understand. And so I would tell him baby food, which is our like cute little name for nursing, baby food is going bye-bye soon. And we would talk about it and what that's going to look like and when it's going to happen. And what we can do instead. And I, I probably started having that conversation with him, honestly, like six months ago, at least. And because on, if I'm really being honest, it's because I didn't actually know when I wanted to, to do it. And I finally felt ready when this trip came around. So just having that conversation, I think has been instrumental in helping Milo to transition into this new phase of life. So it's, it's been a journey, but he's handling it well so far. That's awesome. And I think that it's very telling of your relationship that it's something, it's a conversation. It's not just like one day you, you pull it, you're letting him know ahead of time. And that's how I'm still nursing Evie, but I night weaned at like 17, 18 months, I think. And that's, that's exactly how we did it. I just let her know like, okay, after bedtime, there's no more milk until the morning, kind of started talking to her a couple days in advance and then talked her through it for a couple tougher nights. And then I think that oftentimes we underestimate as a society, the brilliance of toddlers and babies. (laughs) They get it. Definitely. You seem to let them know. They can get it. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Well, any final, I was thinking it'd be kind of fun to hear maybe three final or three takeaways you'd like, if you could leave our listeners with three things to kind of consider and move forward with throughout the rest of this week and the rest of this month and maybe the rest of their lives, what would those, what would those three things be? Yeah, I would say to be open to learning as you go and allow yourself to be honest with what you're really feeling. and then give yourself the opportunity to share those feelings with those who matter to you because you deserve to express whatever it is that you're going through. And I'm sure that there are people in your life who want to know what it is that you're going through. Yes. And I think that's one way that we kind of get it wrong so often and why life can end up feeling really lonely, especially postpartum is that we think that people don't want to help or want to hear, but Oftentimes yeah. the people who love us most, that's all they want is to help in some way. And it, what, there's no real easier way than just to be there and listen. So I, I think that's very powerful, whether it's in person or however you can reach out. That's really great. I love it. That's right. Okay. Well, where can people find you to keep, to keep hearing all that you have to share? We'll also link to all of this in the show notes, but just in case anyone is ready with their phone to search for you. All right. So people can find me over on Instagram at Young Honest Mother. I also have a website, younghonestmother.com, and a podcast, Young Honest Mother, the podcast. So I am looking forward to continuing to have honest conversations with people who are willing to 
step up and share where they've been and what they're going through. I love it. And before we sign off, I do want to hear a little bit more about the podcast because we didn't really get a chance to chat. So can you give us like a quick overview of what people can expect when they head over to listen? Sure. So I am going to be featuring three different types of episodes. You'll hear some solo shows where it'll just be me and I will have the opportunity to dive in deeper into a topic that is on my heart. So like I said, I'm going to talk a little bit more about weaning over there very soon and that'll be in a solo show. I also have conversations with real everyday women so far, although I'm always open to talking to people who are not women. And in those conversations, it's unscripted. I just ask people, I start out by asking everyone, so who is, in your case, who is Laura? Very much like how you asked me. And then we just go from there. And I've been astounded at how much people have have to share. So Uh, You can hear episodes like that. And then I also will be having some episodes with industry truth tellers is what I'm calling them, who are people from various industries who are willing to tell it like it is. So I just recently launched an episode with a clinical therapist, and she is kind of breaking down anxiety, why you might need therapy and things like that. But basically those episodes will be a chance to do a deep dive into someone who's willing to willing to be honest and, and share more about a certain industry. That's awesome. I can't wait to tune in and to just continue to, to support each other, build each other up. I feel like that's what this yes. world needs more of. And I'm just grateful for your voice and all that you're sharing. So thank you for coming on. It really means so much. And we're so grateful. And maybe we'll have to do a, a follow-up down the road as the podcast grows and you have a little more insight to share on this transition into with the communal living and growing your own business and parenting and all of it. So um, we'll have to reconvene at some point. I would love that. Awesome. Well, enjoy your day. Thanks again. And we will talk to you soon. All right. Thank you so much, Laura. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to our podcast. See you next time.